chill books original. The Allegory of the Pen by Abu Hamid al-Ghazali Translated by Sayyid Nawab Ali when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A certain devotee, who was on the way to illumination, saw a piece of paper with lines written on it. Why, said the devotee, hast thou blackened thy bright face? It is not fair to take me to task, replied the paper. I have done nothing. Ask the ink why she has sallied forth from the inkstand, where she was quite at ease, and forcibly blackened my face. You are right, said the devotee. Then he turned to the ink and inquired of her. Why do you ask me, she said. I was sitting still in the inkstand, and had no mind to come out, but this truculent pen rushed at me, drew me out, and scattered me over the page. There you see me lying helpless. Go to the pen and ask him. The devotee turned to the pen, and interrogated him about his high-handedness. Why do you trouble me? answered the pen. Look, what am I? An insignificant reed. I was growing by the banks of silvery streams amidst shady green trees, when lo, a hand stretched at me. It held a knife, which uprooted me, flayed me and separated my joints, hewed me, cleaved my head then, and chopped it off. I was sent headlong towards the ink, and have to serve abjectly. Do not add insult to my injuries. Go to the hand and ask him. The devotee looked at the hand and said, Is it true? Are you so cruel? Do not be angry, sir, replied the hand. I am a bundle of flesh, bones, and blood. Have you ever seen a piece of flesh exerting power? Can a body move of itself? I am a vehicle used by one called Vitality. He rides on me and forces me round and round. You see, a dead man has hands, but cannot use them, because Vitality has left them. Why should I, a mere vehicle, be blamed? Go to Vitality, and ask him why he makes use of me. You are right, said the devotee, and then questioned Vitality. Do not find fault with me, answered Vitality. Many a time, a censurer himself is reproved, while the censured is found faultless. How do you know that I have forced the hand? I was already there before he moved, and had no idea of the motion. I was unconscious, and the onlookers were also unaware of me. Suddenly, an agent came and stirred me. I had neither strength enough to disobey, nor willingness to obey him. That for which you would take me to task, I had to do according to his wish. I do not know who this agent is. He is called Will, and I know him by name only. Had the matter been left to me, I think I should have done nothing. All right, continued the devotee. I shall put the question to Will, and ask him why he has forcibly employed vitality, which of its own accord would have done nothing. Do not be in too great a hurry, exclaimed Will. Perchance I may give you sufficient reason. His Majesty, the Mind, sent an ambassador, named Knowledge, who delivered his message to me through reason, saying, Rise up, stir vitality. I was forced to do so, because I have to obey knowledge and reason, but I know not why. As long as I receive no order, I am happy, but the moment an order is delivered, I dare not disobey. Whether my monarch be a just ruler or a tyrant, 
I must obey him. On my oath, as long as the king hesitates or ponders over the matter, I stand quiet, ready to serve. But the moment his order is passed, my sense of obedience, which is innate, forces me to stir up vitality. So you should not blame me. Go to knowledge and get information there. You are right, consented the devotee, and proceeding, asked mind and its ambassador, knowledge and reason, for an explanation. Reason excused himself by saying he was a lamp only, but knew not who had lighted it. Mind pleaded his innocence by calling himself a mere tabula rasa. Knowledge maintained that it was simply an inscription on the tabula rasa, inscribed after the lamp of reason had been lighted. Thus, he could not be considered the author of the inscription, which may have been the work of some invisible pen. The devotee was puzzled by the reply, but collecting himself, he spoke thus to knowledge. I am wandering in the path of my enquiry. To whomsoever I go and ask the reason, I am referred to another. Nevertheless, there is pleasure in my quest, for I find that everyone gives me a plausible reason. But pardon me, sir, if I say that your reply, knowledge, fails to satisfy me. You say that you are a mere inscription recorded by a pen. I have seen pen, ink, and tablet. They are of reed, a black mixture, and of wood and iron, respectively. And I have seen lamps lighted with fire. But here I do not see any of these things. And yet you talk of the tablet, the lamp, the pen, and the inscription. Surely you are not trifling with me. Certainly not, returned knowledge. I spoke in right earnest. But I see your difficulty. Your means are scanty, your horse is jaded, and your journey is long and dangerous. Give up this enterprise, as I fear you cannot succeed. If, however, you are prepared to run the risk, then listen. Your journey extends through three regions. The first is the terrestrial world. Its objects, pen, ink, paper, hand, etc., are just what you have seen them to be. The second is the celestial world, which will begin when you have left me behind. There you will come across dense forests, deep, wide rivers, and high, impassable mountains, and I know not how you would be able to proceed. Between these two worlds, there is a third intermediary region called the phenomenal world. You have crossed three stages of it, vitality, will, and knowledge. To use a simile, a man who is walking is treading the terrestrial world. If he is sailing in a boat, he enters the phenomenal world. If he leaves the boat and swims and walks on the waters, he is admitted into the celestial world. If you do not know how to swim, go back. For the watery region of the celestial world begins now when you can see that pen inscribing on the tablet of the heart. If you are not of whom it was said, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Prepare thyself, for by faith you shall not simply walk on the sea, but fly in the air. The wandering devotee stood speechless for a while, then turning to knowledge began, I am in a difficulty. The dangers of the path which you have described unnerve my heart, and I know not whether I have sufficient strength to face them and to succeed in the end. There is a test for your strength, replied knowledge. Open your eyes and fix your gaze on me. If you can see the pen which writes on the heart, you will, in my opinion, be able to proceed further on. For he who crosses the phenomenal world knocks at the door of the celestial world, then cites the pen which writes on hearts. The devotee did as he was advised, but failed to see that pen, because his notion of pen was no other but of a pen of reed or wood. 
Then knowledge drew his attention, saying, There's the rub. Do you not know that the furniture of a palace indicates the status of its lord? Nothing in the universe resembles God. Therefore, his attributes are also transcendental. He is neither body nor is in space. His hand is not a bundle of flesh, bone and blood. His pen is not of reed or wood. His writing is not from ink prepared from vitriol and gall. But there are many who ignorantly cling to an anthropomorphic view of him. There are few who cherish a transcendentally pure conception of him and believe that he is not only above all material limitation, but even above the limitation of metaphor. You seem to be oscillating between these two views, because on the one hand, you think that God is immaterial, that his words have neither sound nor shape. On the other hand, you cannot rise to the transcendental conception of his hand, pen and tablet. Do you think that the meaning of the tradition, verily God created Adam in his own image, is limited to the visible face of man? Certainly not. It is the inward nature of man, seen by the inward sight, which can be called the image of God. But listen, you are now at the sacred mount, where the invisible voice from the burning bush speaks. I am that I am. Verily, I am thy Lord God. Put off thy shoes. The devotee, who, listening with rapture, suddenly saw, as it were a flash of lightning, there appeared working the pen which writes on hearts, formless. A thousand blessings on thee, O knowledge, who has saved me from falling into the abysm of anthropomorphism. I thank thee from the bottom of my heart. I tarried long, but now, adieu. The devotee then resumed his journey. Halting in the presence of the invisible pen, politely he asked the same question. You know my reply, answered the mysterious pen. You cannot have forgotten the reply given to you by the pen in the terrestrial world. Yes, I remember, replied the devotee, but how can it be the same reply? Because there's no similitude between you and that pen. Then it seems you have forgotten the tradition. Verily, God created Adam in his own image. No, sir, interrupted the devotee, I know it by heart. And you have forgotten also that passage in the Quran, and the heavens rolled up in his right hand. Certainly not, exclaimed the devotee, I could repeat the whole of the Quran by rote. Yes, I know. And as you are now treading the sacred precincts of the celestial world, I think I can now safely tell you that you have simply learnt the meaning of these passages from a negative point of view. But they have a positive value, and should be utilised as constructive at this stage. Proceed further, and you will understand what I mean. The devotee looked and found himself reflecting upon the divine attribute omnipotence. At once he realized the force of the mysterious pen's argument, but goaded by his inquisitive nature he was about to put the question to the holy being, when a voice like the deafening sound of thunder was heard from above, proclaiming, He is not questioned for his actions, but they shall be asked. Filled with surprise, the devotee bent his head in silent submission. The hand of the divine mercy stretched towards the helpless devotee, into his ear were whispered in zephyr tones, Verily, those who strive in our way, we will certainly show them the path which leads to us. Opening his eyes, the devotee raised his head and poured forth his heart in silent prayer. Holy art thou, O God Almighty. Blessed is thy name, O Lord of the universe. Henceforth I shall fear no mortal. I put my entire trust in thee. Thy forgiveness is my solace. Thy mercy is my refuge.
chill books. Audiobooks with relaxing music, visuals and subtitles to help you stay engaged. Thank you.